Hey, what's up, New Life Church? Hope you guys are having a great Sunday so far. Listen, I'm standing right here in one of our campuses. It's in Saline County. It's an amazing church, and we're going to be meeting Pastor Chad at the end of the service today, so make sure you stay on. We're going to talk a little bit about what God's doing right here. But listen, I want to talk to you about Collide Conference. It's coming up for 6th through 12th graders. It's going to be an amazing time where students from all over the state at all of our campuses come together. It's only $45 until midnight tonight. This is something your students are not going to want to miss. So make sure you sign them up right now. Text Collide to 88000 and get them registered today. Well, listen, we're going to take our tithes and offerings right now. And as we do that, I just want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving right here at New Life Church. You'll see three ways that you can give right here on the screen. And me and my wife, we give by just doing reoccurring right online on the website. We pick the digital campus and we give there. Maybe you're a part of another campus in Arkansas. Make sure that you click on that campus today. But we just want to say thank you so much. So come on, let's pray right now together. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for everybody who is on today, God whether they're in their living rooms or they're in the car with their families, uh, they're walking down the street maybe, I don't know, where they're listening and watching this. But I just pray, God, that your presence would come to us, God, in a fresh way today. God, we need more of you, Lord. We are desperate for more of you, God, in our families, in our marriages. And I just pray, God, that you would help us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Even when the fight calls, even when the war 
Jesus, right now I give it all to you. Come on, let's sing it again. I won't let the storm weather my heart. Won't let the darkness beat me down. Sing in the night, my hope alive in you. I'll walk through the fire and not be burned. Pray in the fire and watch it turn. Jesus, right now I give it all to you.
Welcome back to the family series where we're talking about relationships right there in your home. We did it last week all across Arkansas. And today we're going to be talking about marriage. We just had great worship and you're going to need it because when you talk about marriage, sometimes it hits really hard. Some of you are married. Some of you used to be married. Some of you are single. Some want to be married. Some do not want to ever get married. The sad thing is some of you are married and you don't want to be married. So you have everything. And today I've entitled this talk, Did I Marry the Wrong Person? Did I marry the wrong person? You know, everybody has thought that in a marriage. Uh, for me, the toughest time in marriage was our first year. I would have thought that would have been the easiest year, but it was the toughest year for us. Uh, there was a lot of spatting and a lot of arguments, and I really look back on it now and know the fact is I was just insecure. And Michelle was much more mature than me, and honestly, I felt like she married the wrong person. But I acted like maybe I did. A lot of arguments and there were a few times in that first year where I looked at her, regrettably, and I said, I regret marrying you. One time I just yelled at her and I said, you just need to be quiet, just shut up. I, I regret marrying you. I was trying to prepare a sermon and she brought something up that I just wasn't comfortable with and that's how immature I was. That's how tense it was in our home. I remember her crying that day and that tear running down her face, I thought, I never wanted a marriage where I was creating pain in someone else. I love her. The Lord trusted me in this marriage with her, and now I'm hurting her? There's some regret in that. So today, we're going to talk about uh, what it's like to think, man, maybe I married the wrong person. There, there's so much anger around this topic. You, could, you can see it inside of people. They're just carrying around like this privately held anger. It's internal. It's like internal rage. And people don't know what to do about it. It's like, I'm so frustrated. My home is not a refuge. It's not going well. And many times they never admit it to anyone else. And so today... I'm going to try to turn your anger into sadness. Okay, we have higher goals than that, but we're going to try to help you with the frustration that you're dealing with. This reminds me of Boudreaux. Uh, he was talking to Thibodeau about uh, his marriage, and it wasn't going good. And, and Thibodeau said, do you ever think about divorcing her? He goes, no way, man. Murder, yes. Divorce, no way. So some of you are there right now. And here's the problem. Many of us as believers, our marriages are crumbling just like the world. One out of every two marriages end in divorce. That's in the world. Well, what's the church? One out of two. Why? We have the Word of God teaching us how to have a healthy home. I think it's because we don't listen to the Word of God. And then there's huge industries to teach us what marriage should be like, what love is really like. You can see it in movies, in reality shows, on Instagram. We're even guilty of it. We don't show what we're really like at home. We just show the vacation pictures or the times where we're all laughing and we post those pictures. We don't post pictures 
of the tension and the difficulty that's at home. So oftentimes people say, oh, I want to do what they're doing. They're laughing a lot. They seem to be enjoying life. And this is not necessarily the pattern that God has for us. So I want to talk about the pattern of the Lord. Because did you marry the wrong person? Did they marry the wrong person? If you feel that way, can you turn this thing around? The truth is marriage is not about finding the perfect person. Marriage is about finding the Lord in your imperfect marriage. So let's talk about that with, with as much aggression as that we can. This series, by the way, the Lord laid it on our heart with conviction to do it. Uh, we always speak on the family just about every year, but we didn't get a chance to last year. And so this year, we couldn't wait to get started. But I want to be honest with you about something. We're going to say some things that churches are moving away from saying. And uh, we're not going to hold back today. I believe relationships in the family is being defined more by pop culture than what the Word of God says. And pop culture is moving away from absolutes, and they just don't want to live around ideas that are unmovable. But the Word of God is not like shadows. It doesn't shift around. And so it doesn't matter if everybody's doing it. What does the Word say? I used to try that with my parents, and when I would try to sell them on an idea 40 years ago, hey, we're going to do this. It's going to be so much fun. We're not going to do anything wrong. I knew the rest of the story. We had big plans to do a lot wrong, but they could pick up on it. And then my second sales point was, no, everybody's doing it. Everybody's going. And my parents, especially my dad, would say, no, everybody's not going because you're not going. Well, if I couldn't sell my parents on that, do you think we can sell the Lord on Lord? Everybody's doing it now. Everybody's living this way. And the Lord says, yeah, I see a lot of it, but I'm not changing. To be honest with you for a second, it bothers me tremendously that the world, they don't run to the church to get solutions for better relationships. They don't run to the church when they have questions about sex. They might even laugh at the church. They don't run to the church when they want to have a better marriage. And I think it's because we're not exemplifying what it should be like and could be like. Maybe we're listening to the same ideas that they are. So we're the same. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. You know, I just find it it's very interesting to me that that's the same verse that was written 2,000 years ago and nothing added to it, but we add to it. So it used to be the Lord taught us about relationships and sex. Now it's just Netflix and chill or swipe right. Many just hook up from a DM on Instagram, it's like everybody's doing it. But the only thing quicker than getting a divorce these days is getting hooked up with someone sexually. You could do it today, several times in a day. I'm not a young person, so I don't know exactly how they get this done. Uh, but they let me know. Times have changed. So God wants us to have 
great relationships. However, we cannot have what he desires without having his plan to get it. They go together. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. It's basically saying when you do this, you're, you're boxing God out. If an architect designs a home or a building and you want to be a part of that, you love it, and you say, I want that design. However, I'm going to do it a different way then you're not going to get that design. So we want the favor of God. We want the blessing of God. We want great relationships. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. There's no other way. You cannot have the light without the truth and without this way. So there's examples of sex inside of marriage uh, that we stop looking at. Many of us have more sexual relationships uh, then we've owned cars in our lifetime. I'm just trying to be as clear as I can. And some of you are thinking, you're right. I may need to go get another car. I got to catch up, but that's not the solution that I'm going by. And then many people, they love the Lord and they teach the word and they stand for Christ. But relationally, they're messed up. It might not be in their marriage. It could be everywhere. I know so many people live and die lonely. And they struggle relationally. Pastors preach to the nations and have no friends. But yet the word of God aces this, how to have great relationships. So I didn't know a biblical model for marriage growing up, not one. I didn't have a biblical model in my home. I didn't see it around my neighborhood, not much. Almost everybody on my street growing up they had dysfunction and divorce, crazy acting kids, drugs, weirdness everywhere. The first Christian girl that ever told me that she was a Christian, I was so thankful to meet somebody that loved God, and she ended up making out with every boy in our neighborhood except for me, and at the time, I didn't appreciate it that much. She had a birthday party and invited us all over, and she was the only Christian in our neighborhood. And we played spin the bottle, and I thought, man, I like Christians. They play spin the bottle. I like spin the bottle. But as Christians, really, a lot of us are like spinning bottles, like spinning life. What is next? Who is next? Where do I go next? Without even consulting the Lord. So this is why I'm motivated to speak about this. Because every Christian marriage or family ends up somewhere, but few are ending up somewhere biblically. So how do we aim properly as we move forward? I'm talking about marriage. So again, what do we do when it seems like you've married the wrong person? Or another way to look at it, what do we do when it seems like you're the wrong person? So the way we're going to answer this is through Scripture. And the first thing I want to aim at is be a couple who fights for honor. Be a couple who fights for honor, not just in your marriage, but in your entire family. Because I promise you, if you feel vulnerable at home right now, check the honor. It slipped out. To be fair, honor allows the blessing of God to flow from heaven. And dishonor, it stops it. In 1 Peter 
chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic. You'll see honor in all of this. Love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. When you give honor, you inherit the blessing. It goes on to tell women to honor their husbands. And then it tells a man that the reason why you're having trouble in your prayer life is because you're not giving honor to your wife. It just makes it so clear, the importance of honor. So when I think about honor, you have to think about this story in the Old Testament with Noah. There's this odd little story in Genesis 9 where there's a night of drinking that makes the headlines in the Bible. Noah, he had spent about six months or so on the ark, and when he got off the boat, he wanted a party. He just wanted to get drunk. But for you to get drunk, you just have to drive to a bar or to a liquor store. But for him, he had nothing, so he planted a vineyard. Think about this for a second. He planted a vineyard so he could get drunk. It takes at least two years after that before it's ready for wine. So this brother waited, and then he got so hammered that he ended up being naked drunk. And one of his sons came in and saw him naked, which he got cursed for that, but it's also a curse seeing your dad naked. And he saw his dad, and he dishonored his dad. And, and the point is, God hated it. He went and exposed his dad to his brothers. And, man, it was dishonor everywhere. And the Lord cursed him for it. So, again... The Lord is trying to bring a blessing upon us. But the opposite happens when we have dishonor in the home. So let's not have a home like that. Noah, all of his enemies were destroyed. They were making fun of him every day. And then they were all gone. Something was broken inside of him. We don't necessarily know what it is, but he was at war still. Not with everyone else, but inside of him. And maybe it was dishonor in him because it was certainly in one of his kids. So let's make sure that we know how to keep honor right in the center of our home for the blessing of God. So how's it going with honor in your home? Parents will do anything to ensure their kids are successful. They will get them a tutor. They will give them classes on music lessons. They will buy a $500 baseball bat. They'll spend thousands to be coached better. They'll hire a look-alike. I read about this one time uh, to take the ACT test for their kids. But they're missing a huge part of it. If you want to have kids who have a great life, teach them the word. Teach them to have the blessings from God. Show them honor. Show them honor in your marriage. Teach them honor by the way you conduct honor in your marriage. I personally have gotten many things wrong as a husband, as a father in my life, but I do believe the strong conviction that I have on teaching the principle of honor has helped my family as much as anything. My kids, if I ever saw even the slightest amount of 
of dishonor, we would spend a long time working on that. If we went to visit someone at their home, we would teach our kids the whole way there how to honor them when they get there. If we had people come into our home, we would teach our kids. We would literally role play. I would go outside and knock on the door, and we would try to teach them how to honor people when they come into our homes. Uh, this is huge because this is what the Scripture is asking us to do, to teach our children to honor other teachers, to honor the poor, to honor people with no faith or even weaker faith. The Bible teaches us how to do that, to honor people who have a different race, to honor the law, to honor a coach, to honor the elderly, open doors for them, pray for them, give them respect to look at people in their eyes when you speak to them, to shake their hand. Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, it's sort of a Southern thing, so it doesn't have to be done everywhere, but the reason why we did it is not because it was a Southern thing. We just wanted to teach our kids to have a little extra respect. Interesting enough, I also taught my kids how to honor this state, how to pray for Arkansas. You know, God has put us here. Even as an LSU fan, I think it's great to trash talk, but you don't have to hate the hogs. One of my kids was always just saying, I hate the hogs. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't hate the hogs. These are our people, and they love the hogs. Uh, you can trash talk them, but it should be your second favorite team. What I was really not teaching is about sport. I was teaching honor. Because one day I told him, you're going to probably marry a hog fan, so you better get this right. You don't want to mess this up. I want grandkids. Are you following what I'm saying? So if my kids came home talking about honor and they hated a teacher and they wanted me to do something about it, need you to go to the school, Dad. This teacher's so mean. I would literally tell them, good. I'm glad you have a bad teacher uh, because this is life. You're going to have people who are against you, and you need to learn it as a young person. So just do the best you can to build respect in their eyes, and oftentimes they did. So back to marriage. The Scripture tells a man and a woman on how to give honor. It tells a wife to submit to their husbands. Now let me talk to the men. Men, you might quote this verse sometimes. You know, the Bible says wives submit to the husbands. First of all, that scripture is not for you. It's for someone else. So what scripture is for you? The scripture tells you as a man that you should give your life up for your wife like Christ gave his life up for the church. That's intense. Any man can quote a verse on what the wives need to do, but there's no honor in that, zero honor in that. The honor is, is when you live like Christ. It's a challenge but having a home full of honor, it's not easy to do. And the Bible doesn't tell women, let me talk to you ladies for a second. The Bible doesn't tell ladies in Ephesians chapter 5, it doesn't tell them to respect their husband. It takes it a whole nother level. It says you must respect him. Like I made that boy, I know about him, and he's going to have to have that. And in fact, when a man gets married, he's got his best man there. He's got his dad in front of him, his mom. He's got his groomsmen. All of those people probably encouraged him through life. But when he gets married, it all moves from all of them right to the wife. 
And if the family doesn't understand honor, then we're just going to be looking for what we need. I need this instead of what they need. So today, I'm just trying to make it as clear as I can. Michelle, just want to honor her for a second. The way that she has helped our family find the Lord, the way she does her devotions every morning, even on a weekend when I preach, she's sitting right there on the front row. She hears my sermon several times. It wasn't good the first time. She's got to hear it several times. It's never anointed. She acts like it is. Man, I can't do that. Marcus Brown is a great preacher, and I can hear it maybe once, sometimes a half a time, and I'm out. I don't know how she does it. I'll tell you how I think she does it, though. She honors me, and I love the fact that she loves me, but I'm very thankful that she also honors me. I certainly hope I ace it, too. So let me just pause for a minute. When a pastor speaks, especially on marriage, if they try to act like they have it together in their marriage, I really don't want to listen to them. There's got to be a place where you're vulnerable, and I have them. I started this whole talk out about my first year of marriage, and I have others. But around honor, this is something that I feel like that we've aimed at, and we've hit that mark a lot. And this has caused a great blessing to be on my family. My kids, for example, are all married now. Not that that should be the goal. Some of the strongest believers we have in the church are not married. Over 50% of all adults are not married. But my kids, they wanted to be married, and now they are. And they married way up. And I think it has a lot to do with the honor established in our home. I just do. And in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, it says, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. It's a form of affection when you're honoring. A psychologist will say that we need seven hugs a day. I don't know if that's even true, but I know being cussed out seven times in a day certainly doesn't work. So honor one another. I'm talking about holding hands and opening doors and praying over one another in physical touch. Kissing Michelle in front of the kids when my kids were little. I would kiss on Michelle and they would all go, oh, dad. And I would look and they were peeking. Because every child wants to see honor in their parents' marriage. And the best way to teach it is to do it. So number one, keep honor in your home. Number two, remember you are a sinner. You're a sinner too, not just your spouse. Again, we said earlier, man, I just need a better spouse. No, you need to be more like Christ. So I think it's important that you remember that you're a sinner too. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, All have sinned, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I know that I have. Uh, the problem with being a Bzet is that we have a difficult time admitting when we're wrong. The best part about being a Bzet is that you don't have to marry a Bzet. And people say, I always like to joke around, people say girls marry men like their fathers. This explains why moms cry so much at weddings. You know, there's issues there. But the truth is, we're all sinners. And we not only are a sinner, but we marry a sinner. 
And Michelle, she is as strong in the Lord as, as you can find, but she's a sinner. And sometimes it's difficult to be married to someone who fails. I sin more than her, but she's still a sinner. And even the parents who raised us, uh, they're sinners. But the problem is they usually will not tell us where we're weak. Some of you, that's all your parents did. But a lot of people, their parents just love them and they coddle them and they, they just enable them. You're the best. You're the best. I always like to joke around about American Idol uh, when these people try out for the show. You know, one of our worship leaders won the whole thing. He was so talented, Chris Allen, and, uh, and it, was, it was very good. But my favorite part, even that year, was watching all the people who thought they were great and they were horrible. And they say, yes, I'm the greatest singer ever. And then they would step out and sing. And it was like, they're so bad. And I would always think, don't they have a mama? Don't they have somebody to tell them how bad they are? Don't they have any friends? Well, our parents see our weaknesses sometimes, but they won't, they won't tell us that they just want to encourage us uh, too much sometimes. Other parents, not enough. But here's the truth. The spouse, they're going to tell you. Uh, marriage can start out like a fairy tale, and soon it can feel like a horror movie. It starts out like an ideal, and then it's almost looking for a new deal. And then there's just like buyer's remorse. Like, I got to get out of this. Is that really what the Lord is wanting you to do? Like, you marry the wrong person. Get out. There's probably times for that when there's major abuse adultery, unrepented sin. They're, they're, we could go down that pathway if you want to for a little bit. But I'm talking about 98% of the marriages that you're in right now. Let's not look back. I don't want you to unscramble eggs. If your marriage failed, you don't have to look back. I'm talking about marriages that are in the house today. You married a sinner and your spouse married a sinner too. And it's not a problem of picking better. That's how the world thinks. You don't need a better spouse, remember that? It's just to be more like the Lord. So, back to the story of Michelle. Again, I really thought that we were going to have a marriage that was, was spot on. I had a big dream. I had good mentors. And right out of the gate, within a few weeks, we were arguing all the time. My pastor asked for me to speak uh, to the entire church one weekend. This was in our, within our first year of being in ministry. And here's the problem that I had. I went to Bible school, and in Bible school, they taught us every day we were there. They taught us that you cannot be open. You can't tell people what you're really going through. If you're going to be a pastor, ministry is lonely. You just plow through it and act strong. This is the way they taught at Bible school 40 years ago. Sometimes they still do. If you're going through a difficult time at home, you just pray through it. If you're dealing with difficulty financially, you just pray through it. Just be strong. Just a lot of authority. Spend your authority and then use more of it. I remember raising my hand at church and also sometimes at Bible school and just ask, you know, ministry, am I going to be lonely? Yes, it's lonely. I can't have any friends. No, you can't. So I bought into it that I was going to just have to be lonely. Michelle and I were just going to be lonely people. 
But what I didn't know is that our marriage was going to be weak. And so we were arguing all the time. But when we went to church, we looked strong. It was, it was fake. We'd just like walk in. I'd put my arm around her. People would even say, we wish we had a marriage like you. And I was thinking, no, you don't. And then my pastor asked me to speak to the entire church. And Michelle and I had that argument. Michelle, I'm trying to put together a sermon. Just shut up. I'm a man of God. So embarrassing. And I went back in that office and the Lord just dealt with me. And he spoke to me. He said, listen, you need to repent to her. And I'll forgive you, but you got to go and apologize to her. And I did. It was difficult. I didn't know how to do that. I said, Michelle, I'm sorry. And she forgave me. You know what she said to me? She said, who are you? You being sincere when you're preaching? Were you sincere when you wrote me poems? Are you being real when you tell me you love me in front of other people? Or are you being real when you tell me to shut up and that you regret marrying me? She said, I'm with you forever, but I need to know who you are. And I told her, I said, Michelle, I don't know. I'm just lonely. I don't have anybody to talk to. And I'm just sorry. Well, interesting enough, when I went back into my office, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I forgive you too, but I want you to tell the entire church the way you've been speaking to your wife. And I said, Lord, I can't do that. They taught us in Bible school never to do that. Lord, you need to go to Bible school. They'll clear that up in the first semester. Well, when I preached my sermon, I decided to not do it. I knew what the Lord wanted me to do, to look at Michelle and admit I was wrong in front of everybody. That's not the typical style of the Lord. I'll admit that. But it was the only way he could reach my heart. And so I just closed my Bible and looked down at Michelle, and I said, Michelle, I told them, by the way, everyone in the building exactly what I just told you. The difference is when I told you, it was 33 years ago, and when I told them, it was three days before. So they were shocked, and I looked down at Michelle, and I asked her to forgive me. And she's like looking at me like, I cannot believe he's doing this, but I'm proud of him. And you know what happened? I thought the call on my life was over at that moment. But it was like the arms of God went around me like he said, this is my boy. Thank you. This is what I'm looking for. I'm looking throughout the whole earth trying to find people fully devoted, fully on. This is what I'm looking for. Now I can use you. I tell you, it helped me at home. And it helped me in my relationship with God. And I've learned that those always go together. And as a pastor, that's what I want for you. So let's invite him in right now. Bow your heads all around this place you might be and Lord we know we are sinners we know it and we ask God that you forgive us some people out there Lord they have never called on you they've never repented of their sin some people at the beginning of this talk were not even hungry for you but your word has messed around with their heart 
So, Lord, we ask for you to heal our homes, but also to restore our relationship with you. And in those who do not know you, who are not born again, that you take out that old heart, that stony, calloused heart, and give them a new one. Just like you told Nicodemus in the middle of the night. And Lord, from this day on, we invite you in our home that we can be a home that honors you, a home that will chase after your word, a home that is fully aware that we not only have a spouse who is a sinner, our kids who are sinners, but we are, and that you still want to be a part of our home. So I thank you, Lord God, for a dose of honor and humility and in the reality that you're an amazing God and loaded with grace. And I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we hit it straight forward today. You haven't seen anything yet in this series, but you know what you need right now? You need some worship, and so do I. Let's worship God together.
by Pastor Rick today on marriage. Are you loving this series on family, man? I mean... Loving it. Loved it with last weekend with Pastor yeah. Darren. This weekend with Pastor Rick. It's been powerful, strong, man. I strong. hope you're enjoying it as well. But I'm standing right here with Pastor Chad Dimon. We're in Saline County campus uh, where he launched this campus several years ago. But I wanted him to come on, just share about what's happening here in Saline. He's also going to pray for you guys as well. So greet the people, Chad, man. We're glad you're on, brother. Digital Campus, thankful for y'all. Thankful for this brother right here. This is family reunion that's happening right here, right now. Love Kevin and Danielle McManus. They're doing an incredible job just with the Digital Campus. Love this family a lot. But man, just in um, just honored, just humbled by the yeah. things that God's yeah. stirring, God's doing. There are people that are just hungry for His Word, more of His Spirit, more of His presence. And uh, again, just in this place of being humbled and just honored to to see God continue to move and continue yeah. to do some things. I know the last year and a half has been a challenge for a lot of people. Um, there was a stat that I just recently saw, George mm -hmm. Barna put it out, like 29% of pastors are just struggling in this place, not even knowing if they wanna go back into ministry yeah, or continue tough. to lead and pastor. And so when you ask me to pray, yes, we love to pray for another church, that's, what, that's a staple of New Life Church yeah. because we just know that we can't do it by ourselves. We need all of us working together as pastors in the local church because we are, we're the hope of the world. Yeah. But one of the things that was just stirring within me was to be praying for them. Yeah. A lot of people good. that are heavy, a lot of people that are hurting. Yeah. So we'd love to do that even right now. So if you guys would join us as we pray just for pastors across our nation, that they would just continue to fight the good fight. It's a fight, but just knowing that Jesus is with us and he's gonna help us. That's good. This is a strong place to be. So I'm just praying that they would be refreshed and encouraged. Yeah. So let's do that. Let's do it, man. Lord, I love you and I'm just so thankful for the body of Christ. God, your design that you put together for the hope of the world. God, there is no plan B. You've called us as believers uh, to be your hands, to be your feet, to be your heartbeat, to have compassion and love, peace and joy, just the fruit of just who you are. God, I just think about pastors right now. I'm just hearing that stat and seeing that stat. It just broke my heart. Yeah. And so for every pastor that is out there just struggling, overwhelmed, just have a lot of weight on them, maybe has no vision, God, I pray that you would give them fresh vision from heaven. God, that you would anoint them and strengthen them to continue to run this race 
Paul talks about running a race and run it like you're gonna win the prize. And so God, I pray that you would just stir that within them, encourage them today, strengthen them today, because God, what they do, it matters. It matters to you. It matters to the community and the cities that you have placed us in. And so God, I pray for an awakening and I pray again for just that spirit of refreshing, just to overwhelm them and encourage them. God, for every single person that is watching online, even right now, God, I just yeah. pray a prayer of blessing yes, over them. They might not necessarily be a pastor, but maybe they're feeling a lot of the same things that other pastors are feeling. Maybe some discouragement, maybe some heaviness, maybe some questions, maybe doubt, maybe fear. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would just fill that home, fill that apartment, fill that workplace that they're at right now, just with your spirit where you encourage them, and that they would know that you are Lord, you are our Savior, you are truth, you are everything that we need. God, we look to you and we hold on to you. Hold on to your word. We wanna trust it, we wanna be obedient to it. And to you, God, you get all the fame and you get all the glory. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being close to the broken hearted. Thank you for that truth. And I pray that you would minister like only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Chad, for being on here, man. So good to Listen, have you. if you live anywhere in the Saline County area, maybe you've been online or maybe this is your first time, but you live in this area, make your way here to the campus. This is an amazing church. Trust me, you're going to want to be a part of it. Well, listen, I hope you guys have an amazing Sunday. We'll see you right back here next week at 8 a.m. God bless.